Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The volume. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. What is going on? Another day, another podcast. Here's the deal. Thursday night football, Cowboys-Seattle. Big game for the Cowboys. Mike Tomlin calls T.J. Watt the best player in the league. Dave Tepper. People think he's nuts for firing people. I'll defend him. If your coach is terrible, even if you hired, it's your fault you hired him. What are you supposed to do? As well as Deion Sanders, who is taking some arrows right now after going four and eight. We will dive into that all. Subscribe to the podcast if you listen on Collins feed. We have a YouTube channel. All of our stuff is up there on the YouTube channel. John Middlecoff three and out. 
thevolume.com. We got merch, three and out hats. Make sure you fire in. We'll do a mailbag here as well, at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. It's just my name, Instagram, DMs wide open. Before we dive into the Cowboys and some Mike Tomlin talk, here's what I got for you. I got a little app. It happens to be called Game Time, the official ticketing app of this podcast. The holiday seasons. You're giving out presents. You're doing nice things for people. You want to get out of the house, go enjoy yourself. Well, I have you covered. When you download the Game Time app, you can go to any event. Football, basketball, hockey, concerts, comedy shows. And when you buy a pair of tickets and use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, you get $20 off. It's hard to save money in these inflationary times. We're all getting raked over the coals. But when you get a promo code like this to do something fun, you can't beat it. Cannot recommend it enough. Download the Game Time app, official ticketing app of this podcast, and promo code JOHN. Save yourself $20. You know what's crazy is I was looking at the uh, standings today, and I just went to the league standings, and then I filtered by point differential, which, listen, I I would say historically, the bigger your point differential, the more dominant of a team you are. And uh, do you know who happened to be the number one team in point differential? With almost 100 points separating them from the 10-1 Philadelphia Eagles, a team that lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. A team that goes by the Dallas Cowboys. They have the best point differential in the National Football League. And whenever I get asked how good is Dallas, how far can they go, hell, I picked them to win the division. I think they're pretty good. But they've had two massive games. You're allowed to blow a game to a random team, and they did it early in the season. But they got two swings, two bites at the apple against the 49ers on Sunday Night Football and against the Philadelphia Eagles in front of 30-plus million people. And they lost them both. One game, they got their ass kicked. The other game, they're winning by 10 points at halftime, and then they find themselves down, they end up losing the game. And there were plays to be had to win them the game. Right? We, we all watched it. But I do think there's a lot on the line for the Cowboys. One, going into Seattle, let's face it, to me, Seattle's not that good. And a huge reason, I talked about it with Colin the other day, is Geno Smith. He's solid, he's easy to root for, seems like a great guy. If he's your starting quarterback for several years, he limits your ceiling. And I think we're kind of seeing that this year. Their ceiling is limited. Now, they've had offensive line issues. Uh, They don't have a great pass rush. But ultimately, if you put a really good quarterback on that team, it's 11-12 win team. Would you know? You know, I think at best they're winning nine games this year. And there's a reason the Cowboys are favored by almost 10 points. And this is not some random Thursday night game. Both these two teams played on Thursday. So this is basically a normal week for both teams. And the NFL now has been doing this for a while. They take two teams from the Thanksgiving Thursday games, which now has become the Cowboys against someone else. And that's your primetime game the week after Thanksgiving. And on paper coming into the season, this game looked pretty good. Still doesn't look bad now. I think the shitty part, if you're a a fan of football in the state of Washington, right, especially in Seattle, and you root for the Huskies and you root for Seattle, a couple weeks ago, you were feeling pretty good. And now you go in two of the biggest games of the year, obviously for the Washington Huskies and the Seattle Seahawks, and you're a combined almost 20-point underdog. Like, what the hell is going on here? But there's a reason. The Cowboys have taken advantage of every team beside the Arizona Cardinals, who's not very good. And they don't just beat you. They beat the shit out of you. Let's face it. The Eagles, who have just had an incredible season of finding ways to win games. I mean, last week is an all-timer. 
but you got to give him credit. And I, I've seen some people compare him like to last year's Minnesota team, not talent-wise, but just it eventually catches up to you. I don't know if it does when you have this talent, but I think an individual game can catch up to you. And when you look at the Eagles, like they, they're going to run out of gas here. And to me, if they got beat by the 49ers by 10-plus points, I don't think that would be surprising. Not because fully rested, normal schedules, both teams. To me, it's a coin flip game. But given the situation that played on Monday night, knocked down drag out on the road, fly home, get home really late, have a short week, you play the Bills, you go into overtime, you play a 70-minute game where a lot of your defenders play, you know, 80 to 90 snaps, it's understandable. But if they lose to the Eagles and the Cowboys take care of business, like, it's fucking wide open for them. They play Philadelphia next week in Dallas. All of a sudden, you'd be 9-3, and they'd be 10-2, and and you would have a chance, if you beat them, to have the same exact record. So while it looked pretty dire, that devastating loss to the Eagles, which we all said, the crazy thing is, Dak was arguably the, one of the best, if not the best player on the field. They played their best game in years. And they lost. Like There are no moral victories when you're a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl. But looking back, if you win this game, you're going to feel pretty good about your chances, specifically against the Eagles, come to the playoffs. So tomorrow's a good example. And if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, like I fully expect Dallas to boat race these guys. And I, I, don't, I think Seattle is just kind of running out of juice and kind of that Geno juice of, that has not been great down the stretch last year. You watch them this year. Now they've battled some injuries, but they are a team, and, and Colin and I talk, that needs a quarterback. So whether that's trading up in the draft, there aren't really options in free agency. You've obviously paid Geno Smith, so it's, it's impossible really to upgrade there. But to me, they're a team that looks to get a young guy this offseason. This is a good game on paper that I expect, to me, it's like Dallas 38, Seattle 17. <laughs> like I, I fully expect it to be an ass-kicking. And all of a sudden, you start looking at Seattle, you're like, they're going to have issues, because they do. I, I saw Mike Tomlin call TJ Watt the best player, defensive player in the NFL. And I said a couple weeks ago, I thought that Miles Garrett, I would vote for him to be the MVP. Now he's injured. We'll see You know, if this derails his season a little bit. You know, Listen, these awards are fluid. You can be the lead horse in the race and get passed. Like, it's not over till the fucking season ends. I love seeing this. Well, you just said a couple weeks ago, yeah, things change. You said this team was good. Yeah, then they lost three games in a row. So my opinion changes on them. Like, this is, everything is very fluid in sports. I, I never understand. But you said a month ago, well, yeah, he's playing well. And now he's playing bad. <laughs> like Baker Mayfield for the, through the first couple weeks of the season. Look good. Now you watch him. Doesn't look good. So it's like your opinion changes as you watch him. It's like part of evaluating players when you watch them on television. Right? There are only so many guys like TJ Watt, Steph Curry, Patrick Mahomes, whoever, that usually play well every single week. Most guys are kind of up and down. So it ebbs and flows. <laughs> you know, it's the way sports work. Now, TJ Watt, one of the rare guys who was just incredible. And I was really thinking, what could the Watt father, you know, in, in horse racing, when a guy wins, not a guy, but the horse wins the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, whatever, one of those big races, if you were ever to win the Triple Crown. The value is not in winning those races. Obviously, you make money if you own the horse when they win the races, but it's in the value of the horse's sperm <laughs> to be able to create more horses like that given horse. It's, it's why that it's so valuable to own a championship-level horse. What could like the Bosa father or the uh, Watt father, like their ability 
J.J. Watt is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is one of the best players I've ever seen live and one of the best NFL players of my lifetime. Like, in his peak, it doesn't get much better than that. So to have one of those guys is an incredible accomplishment as a parent. To have two of those guys, like T.J. Watt is trending to be a Hall of Famer as well. To have two Hall of Fame sons at defensive end, that's fucking nuts. Both the same thing. Now, Joey, because he's injured all the time, his career is not going to stack up to it. But we all have to agree, like, Joey Bosa, when healthy, legit top five pick, and obviously Nick, former defensive player of the year, freaking incredible. You know, even like, think about Archie Manning, who was produced Peyton and Eli. Peyton, one of the greatest quarterbacks of, of all time. I mean, Eli had two incredible playoff runs, but on the whole, like, he's not as, he, hell, we're debating him, like, should he actually be in the Hall of Fame just because he won the two championships? I think Eli's pretty good, but I also understand the other side because I had been at games when Eli has not played well, and it can look really ugly. But imagine being a father and having two sons. Like, I don't even have children yet. I I would imagine most people listening to this that have young children just kind of keep their fingers crossed. Like, I hope my son is just does well in life. Like, treats people well, successful guy, you know, has his head on straight, works hard, and can create a good life for his future family and, you know, do good by my name, right? I, I would love if that guy becomes like, maybe an entrepreneur or a business owner and becomes really successful and impacts the world in a positive way. Hell, I mean, ideally, he'd become like some all-time great in his field. Like that's, I would say, very, very slim. Producing multiple all-pro defensive linemen. Pretty nuts. And we've had some pretty good ones. I mean, the Diggs brothers, you know, Stefan is obviously a really good player for the Bills. And, and Trayvon with the Cowboys, I mean, is just an incredible playmaker. Uh, obviously, the Bosa brothers, Travis and Jason Kelsey. Like, what a job by the Kelsey father to produce those two guys, two Hall of Famers, center and, you know, a lot of times the same position, which makes sense, right? You idolize your brother, you just copy them. Think about Jason. I mean, he's a center. His brother is like one of the great athletic tight ends of all time. Now, granted, Jason is an athletic uh, center, but still, I'm just, I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, genetics and the ability to create, you know, just incredible human beings because it's not like LeBron James, Bronny James, who I'm glad to see is doing well after the, uh, you know, the, the scare when he was practicing, but Bronny James, like a short might not even start as, you know, even if he was fully healthy for USC and that's LeBron James, Michael Jordan. I mean, think of what hell we just hope Charlie Woods can like play division one golf, random guys just producing TJ and JJ incredible. But here's the one thing about the Steelers. Looking at their their schedule, because I've talked a lot of shit about them, because I, I picked them to to win the AFC, not to win the AFC, but to win the division, win the AFC North, and be right there, like as an AFC championship level team. I might not have been crazy. Now I did not think it was going to look like this. I I, I thought they were going to be much more potent on offense. I expected them, you know, to be an explosive unit, right? And I was wrong. They have, hell, I, I think last week's kind of embarrassing. Celebrating 422 yards when you scored 16 points. Like, you, you don't get to celebrate moving the ball when you have 16 points. It, it would have been cool if you would have scored 27 points and had the same excitement, but I don't think you're allowed to do that when you score 16 points. But here's our schedule coming up. They play the Cardinals this week. Then they play the Patriots, who I don't know if you've uh, noticed. Awful. Cardinals are better than the Patriots because Kyler Murray is, you know, a scary player. Then they play the Colts, which 
incredible story so far. I do think it's going to come to a screeching halt. And then Cincinnati with Jake Browning. There is a chance that in about a month, you look up, and this Pittsburgh Steelers, who struggles to score 20 points, is going to be 11-4. and four. There was a moment against the Cincinnati Bengals when Jake Browning, the starting quarterback, and they had the lead. I think Hell, at one point in time, I think it was, was a 7 nothing or 6 nothing. And I'm thinking, could Mike Tomlin get fired? And then all of a sudden, you kind of look at the schedule. They find a way to win that game. Could they be 11-4? and four? Like, ultimately, the Eagles have won good, you know, weird games. Could they be 8-3? and three? Could they be 10-1? and one? We can argue till we're blue in the face. They get a little lucky here. They make some crazy plays here. They're a really good team. Like, they have an MVP-level quarterback. They have really good players. Even their defense has some holes. It's like, oh, they're secondary. They still have James Bradbury and Darius Slay. Like, two corners that are starting on the majority of teams. They trade for Bayer, who, listen, a little long in the tooth, but he's a legitimate starter. So, yeah, they got some question marks at linebacker. But, like, that's a, that's a real NFC championship-level team, even if they didn't get some of their breaks. We all acknowledge that. The Steelers, you watch them the majority of the season, you're like, what the fuck is going on? How is this? How is this happening? And then all of a sudden you look, I think worst case scenario, they're 10 and 5. I mean, unless they have some crazy injury. If, if I would have told you three or four weeks ago that the Steelers are going to be 10 and 5, you'd be like, you're crazy. That's not that, that level team. And they just found a way. So this is where, now, if you're one and done in the playoffs as a 12 and 5 team, people are going to be critical of Mike. But this is how Mike fights off the criticism. Because you watch all these guys, like everyone loves Frank Reich. Who I saw Florio wrote an article that David Tepper can't say his name. And in my defense, if I pay you $40 million and I, you get the number one overall draft pick and you go 1-10 and and your offense is one of the worst offenses we've ever seen, do I have to say your name right? Like, I'm paying you a premium. I'm literally paying you to go away. I made you a head coach when, let's face it, no one else is making you a head coach. And your name's kind of hard to say. Like, for a long time, I said Frank Reich. Frank Reich, and then a bunch of people were like, it's Reich, it's Reich, it's Reich. Okay, I, I get it. But I, I, I kind of on Tepper's side. Somet- sometimes names, remember when, uh, what's his name with the Washington football team, Commanders, Redskins, used to call him Kurt Cousins? And it was like, bro, it's Kirk Cousins. And he couldn't say, like that, it's like, come on, this is your starting quarterback who's actually a pretty good player. Say his name right. This one, you know, it's kind of confusing. You know, sometimes there's silent, silent letters and different pronunciations. I always thought it was a little weird. Now, I've been saying it right for a long time. No different Eberflus. I used to call him Uberflus. And my whole take was, until he becomes a credible head coach, do I have to say his name right? Like, if you're saying Andy Reid, now Belichick, I mean, some of these names, if you're screwing up, like, that's kind of on you. Do you kind of have to earn some respect to get your name said right? People still, my girlfriend's mother, who have been dating her now well over a year, just sent us a card for Thanksgiving and only put one F. And in fairness to Jennifer, uh, more that she's not the first person to do that. People have been doing that to me for, I would say, the majority of my life. When I worked with the, uh, Fresno State, I had a name tag, 1F. When I got hired with the Eagles, 1F. When I got hired in radio, 1F. I just take it. You know, my name's hard to spell, a lot of letters. It's not, you know, Johnson. But it is what it is. The Steelers are coming. And, and on David Tepper, because I've seen a lot of people freak out about these owners like firing people, like what a waste of money. How could they, especially in college, like how could they just blow all this cash? Because they got a lot of cash, right? I mean, people freak out about money that don't have money. 
right? But no different, like they treat a million dollars like you treat $7. Money is all relative. And when you have a lot coming in, giving a lot out the door doesn't feel as big when you don't have a lot coming in. The reason a lot of coaches and players back in the day didn't get fired as quickly or cut as quickly because there wasn't as much money. Well, in this day and age, when you get close to $400 from the media rights deals, I say this all the time. The best part about the NFL, different than the NBA, like my take is I saw Colin thinks Mark Cuban's going to run for president. I think he's getting out not because he's running for president. I think he knows the NBA's peaked. How are they ever going to get a television deal? Honestly, their next television deal could be worse than the current one. They're, and their expenses have only gone up. They're paying the players more now than ever. So if you get less money coming in and more going out, you got problems. Business 101. Well, what does the NFL have? Their salary cap is capped, right, at about half the money that's just guaranteed from television. Well, even if you are a winless team, you're still going to make money in ticket sales, suites, merchandise, it's going to be impossible not to make a ton of net profit. And then you factor in a guy like David Tepper is rich as hell. So it's like he's got his own independent money. This team that he now owns, which he paid a boatload for, is generating a ton, ton of cash flow coming in. If he screws up, which I was thinking about this. I I think the old adage is take a while, you know, really vet when you hire and fire quickly. Right, Take your time hiring, but once you know, get rid of that person. And I think that works whether you're running a deli, whether you're running a podcast operation, or whether you're running an NFL team. Now, did he vet Frank Reich properly? Should he have hired him in the first place? We definitely can argue that. Would he like a a redo on that one? Of course. I think that's pretty clear. Rumors and everyone said that he wanted to hire the guy from the Lions. Well, guess what? That guy wouldn't take the job. I've heard from some people in the NFL, it wasn't even that he was scared off by Tepper. He just didn't feel ready and didn't feel comfortable in that situation with a new owner. And whatever the variables are, I think Johnson and the Lions feels pretty good about that decision. Because one thing with Tepper is he has a quick trigger when he doesn't respect you. But here's what I will say if I'm sitting in David Tepper's shoes, right? If I don't think you know what you're doing, and listen, if you watch the Panthers, how could you feel confident this guy knows what he's doing? He fired himself from being the play caller. Then he named himself the play caller. Then he fired himself being the play caller. And maybe Frank was over it. Like, I've been in a job when I was in radio. I hated it. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate working with the guy I was working for. And I was like, this is not fun. I don't want to do this job anymore. We were miserable, right? But it's like, you know, I'm not going to fire myself. I want the money going out. I hated it, right? And I think a lot of people get like that in jobs. And I think Frank was a good example of someone that like was miserable doing the job. Now that's on Tepper. Hiring a guy who probably just couldn't turn down the money. I think I saw a headline that this will probably be his last job and he'll retire and basically go off to the sunset. But I do not blame Dave Tepper for firing. Just like I don't blame Mark Davis. Whenever I see these people like, you know, these owners are getting too quick. Well, Josh McDaniels is fucking terrible. Was he supposed to just let Josh McDaniels coach for a couple more years and keep losing a bunch of games and everyone hate him? Right? I understand there are some difficult decisions. When the 49ers mutually departed with Harbaugh, that was an embarrassment. When Dean Spanos and the Chargers chose A.J. Smith over Marty Schottenheimer, that was clearly the wrong decision. When the Washington Redskins at the time didn't realize that they had Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur, and all these guys like 
You should probably not hate these guys, but build around them. That's on them. But when you're in a situation where the guy's the head coach and he is torpedoing your franchise to embarrassing levels and your team sucks and then you don't feel he knows what he's doing, she'd be like, well, just be patient. Part of the reason the Roonies are patient with Mike Tomlin, he wins. Andy Reid got a long time in Philly. Well, yeah, he was going to NFC Championship games. He was winning double-digit games. They were printing cash for their owner on top of the media deal. They were constantly in the mix. So it's like, I, I never have a problem with an owner being impatient when I don't think the guy's any good. And literally, his record is not good. And it's easy to think the interim coach, right, like Rich Pashachia with the Raiders a couple years ago, Steve Wilkes last year, that, that's a risky move too. <laughs> like, and You're usually not going to find the next Belichick or Andy that way. Now, maybe you can. But I I never fault the team for not going that way either. This is hard. Hiring people, just like drafting people, is very, very difficult. And when you make a bad decision, luckily as a fan, like ultimately if you're a Panther fan, this guy's nuts. Like he's a maniac. What I don't like reading is him telling play callers what plays to run Monday through Friday. Him telling you who to draft. Like that is a major problem. If that's the case, which everyone seems to feel like it is, that's fucked. You got issues. But I, you can't blame him for getting rid of Frank. Just like you can't blame him for getting rid of Matt Rule. You, you need to upgrade as coach. Now, I had some people in the NFL, like the only way he's going to get his pick of the litter, he's going to have to overpay by such a high amount. Well, he's got the money, right? Steve Ballmer can be nuts. He can cut checks other people can't. Mark Cuban was nuts for a long time can cut checks that other people can't. Joe Lacob is crazy. Has a big checkbook. George Steinbrenner. I mean, look around sports. When I have a bigger bank than you, I can be a little crazy and still make up for it. To me, what you can't do, like, here's the one thing about the Cowboys. Jerry's been the general manager for a while, right? And his son plays a big role as well with the scouting staff. Kind of feels like they know what they're doing, doesn't it? Like, Jerry, say what you want about Jerry. Big ego. (laughs) Likes being in the forefront. Likes being a star. He likes being no different than the coach or the star quarterback. But they kind of know what they're doing when they're picking players. That, that's not even debatable anymore. The problem for a lot of these owners, you know, Jimmy Haslam's currently getting sued by Warren Buffett. That guy, someone hit me like, well, you said pushing the envelope is a good thing. Agreed. But Jimmy Haslam is always in this stuff. Always causing problems. Screwing the truckers, pissing off Warren Buffett. All for doing what you got to do to make a little extra coin. This one, I don't know. Something's a little off about him. But some of these owners, man, there is no point in high. It's it's one thing if I'm David Tepper and I have a hedge fund, right? And I hire three guys, or I'm Steve Cohen, the guy who owns the Mets, to run my money, to give them advice, or to tell them, hey, buy more of this, because that's what I do. That's the craft that I created myself. Right? I, if you hit me up, like, ask me for some advice podcasting or how to become a scout or recruit, recruiter in college, like, I'd give you some advice. If you ask me for advice, like, how do you get into, you know, how do you get into Wells Fargo banking or Chase banking? I, I wouldn't know what to tell you. Right? So these guys getting the football, just because you're a football fan, doesn't mean you know what you're talking about in terms of who to pick, who not to pick, who to hire, who not to hire. Doesn't mean you can't have opinions. When these guys become the owner and he's paid so much money, 
clearly he's just telling them what to do. And that's been the bigger disaster. But even if you told Frank what to do correctly, it might not have mattered because he clearly doesn't look good enough. And massaging the egos of coaches, like for example, I saw Florio, I don't know if he put it on Instagram or he said it on maybe some one of his television show things, YouTube, I, I don't know where I saw it. But he said, I think we're all looking at Mike Vrabel's situation wrong. Everyone thinks that the Titans might break up with Mike Vrabel. He's like, I think it's more he might want to break up with them. And, you know, he's got some ideas. Maybe he's, you know, the owner, the resources, whatever. I don't know the details, but I was like, yeah, that's very plausible. But if you want to get a guy, let's just say Mike Vrabel was available. Or in a, Sean McVay goes to Amazon and in like three years, he's available. You want to have those guys. The way to keep them happy is go, listen, Sean, I'm here to do one, or Mike, I'm here to do one thing and one thing only for you. This is what Robert Kraft did for 20 years with Bill. Hell, he's still doing with Bill. You win games. You fucking, you win games. Playoff games. You make us really important in this league. I'll sign my name on any check you need. Trades, signings, draft picks, whatever you want to do, you got to thumb those up for me. You do not need to ask me ever for a player transaction unless there's character involved then run it by me but in terms of trading players trading draft picks that is what coaching the team during the season you do that i am here to support you financially to wear a good looking suit on sunday and have my mistress she's not my mistress anymore she's now my girlfriend because i've divorced my wife right next to my side and we're going to root you on with some of our famous friends You win us fucking games. You make us money. I'll keep paying you money. Do whatever you want. Treat this team as your baby, as you own it. And Belichick, you know, brought a lot to the table with Kraft, right? Because he won a lot. And Kraft never overstepped his boundaries. He let him let Tom Brady walk. Now, that's ultimately probably the wrong decision. Should have got involved there. But in fairness to Roberts, like everything I've ever let Bill do, he's been right about. So now, are you going to get Bill Belichick? Probably not. But if you just get a solid coach, one thing the Rams did, what the 49ers did, what even uh, with LaFleur and the Packers, empower the guy. You have to empower the guy. If you're holding his hand like Steve Cohen would or like you would on the trading floor, it's not going to work. This is not, you have no expertise. You know nothing about any of this when it comes to actual football. Now about like signs in the building, you know, hiring uh, cafeterias. I'm not saying you can't have input on things inside the building of your football team. But when it comes to the football players and the coaching staff and the acquisitions in March around free agency and the draft, you have to let those guys cook. Because if you don't let them cook, you can't complain about the fucking meal. And David Tepper's up there screaming the F word, going up and down. It's like, bro, you keep getting it. This is partly you. And one article I read today from Albert Breer is like, he kind of shows up periodically. And it throws, he like, he's got ideas and then he disappears. Like, the football players and the, and the coaches, they're there all day, every day, you know, during the season. So you come in and out. That's not the way the world works. You can operate other businesses like that. You cannot operate this business like that. So I, I think these, these new big-time owners, it, it's going to be difficult for them. Deion Sanders. I have no problem with any coach or player talking shit. I mean, that's, if you, if you want to talk shit, ultimately, you got to play or coach against the other team. And Dion has been one of the loudest 
individuals of my lifetime as an athlete. Always backed it up. Easily one of the greatest football players of all time and probably a top two or three athlete. I mean, definitely of my life, you could argue ever. It's harder as a coach when you're talking a big game and you don't get to play. And it's one thing to do it at Alabama or Georgia when you have a stack, Ohio State, Michigan. His team's not very good. They went 4-8, and eight, and I watched them a lot the second half of the year. They were fucking terrible. And their offensive and defensive lines look awful. There was an article on The Athletic by Bruce Feldman and several other people. And they basically interviewed all these assistant coaches, a lot of coordinators in the Pac-12. And they all just gave their opinions. And one main opinion that I read that was just a good quote, like, you know, it was all hugs and kisses in the beginning, in the offseason, and then early on when they won a couple games. Get ready for the horror stories to come out. Now, one thing I was told by a scout a while back is he had heard that there, when you work for the program, when you work for Dion, you sign an NDA. Now, maybe part of that is like because everything's being filmed. I, I don't know. That's just what I heard. I, I don't know that. But ultimately, if I sign an NDA and I go somewhere else and I tell you know one of the reporters for The Athletic or whoever, how are you going to prove that I said it? One thing I think is clear. And listen, I respect Dion for saying we're not going to be an ATM machine. And I think he was talking about recruits. I would never pay high school recruits big money. I think that's stupid. I would pay transfer portal guys money. The Pac-12 was good this year. And their team was awful on the line of scrimmage. So they got fucking worked. They got embarrassed. I mean, Washington State, who's not that great, beat them like 56-14. to 14. That was their second to last game. They got mollywopped. They got embarrassed. And they ended Shador's season. You got to get better at the line of scrimmage. And that's, to me, a question, big picture about Deion Sanders, who, let's face it, we all thought, could Deion Sanders go to the, be the NFL coach? Could he coach like Florida or Texas A&M? Or could he get some enormous job? I think he's a long way away from that. Because ultimately, for as much as like the recruiting, a lot of those big schools kind of recruit themselves. And Deion's recruiting class right now is not great. And he hasn't proven that he can win, right? And he's got to prove to me next year for him to be like, kind of validate everything. I think he got to win seven, eight games. You look at the Big 12, it's going to be awful. It's not very good. Period, point blank, end of story, right? I mean, honestly, two of the best teams are going to be like Arizona and Utah, like Kansas State. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma are gone. UCF, Cincinnati. I don't think they're a lock unless Shador gets dramatically better. Now, it's not all his fault. One of the coordinators in this article said, when we played Shador, he got massacred. And you watch some games a lot like Caleb running for his life. But as well as he played in that TCU game, in that Colorado State game down the stretch, you watched him, maybe he's getting a little gunshot. He did not look as good. Now he's young, he's raw, for, you know, big jump in competition. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And I also think that Deion Sanders is an outlier. He could play both ways and be kind of unfazed. I think Travis Hunter needs to kind of pick a position. And to me, it's on Dion, not on him. Of course, Travis Hunter's going to want to play both ways. Kind of go all in. If he can be a top 20 corner, like a top 20 pick as a corner, become a corner, and then play periodically on offense. If you're a top 15, 20 pick at wide receiver, do that, and then play periodically on defense. But to go both ways, 100, 120 snaps, it's not realistic. And you're going to get diminishing returns against better teams with your best player. No one in Alabama, Georgia, you know, fuck, even like the Oregon States, Washington States, like the mid-tier power five, ever has a guy go both ways. It's not possible. It's too hard. 
and in fairness to Dion, he's like, fuck, I did it. Kinda. I mean, Dion obviously, you know, didn't play full time wide receiver, but what they ask him to do, I haven't watched college football 30 years. It's very, very difficult. It, it really Charles Woodson had some moments on offense and obviously would return. But to ask a guy to go both ways, it just there were times when he just wore down. And there was a play that Sanford game they lost where the dude mossed it over his head on Friday night. He had to be just gassed. So I, I think there's pressure on Dion. And, and listen, in, in fairness to Dion, a lot of people are pussies in life. And they're scared to put the spotlight on him because they don't want the heat. Dion's not scared of that. And he put the spotlight on him. And he got humbled a little bit. The whole program did. And, you know, you hire this guy from Kent State. He's the head coach. He leaves to become the offensive coordinator. And you demote him for Pat Shermer? You demote him for Pat Shermer? Can't do that. As one quote in the article regarding that, that's an embarrassment. And I completely agree. That guy's now the head coach at San Diego State. Like, if you had demoted him for, like, I don't know, Sean McVay or something, okay. Pat Shermer? Are we serious? I, I do wonder, like, part of being a head coach, we've talked, we've given Sean Payton a lot of credit on this one, is, like, you got to be able to handle the rough seas and just kind of make it through without craziness. And Dion, you know, they hit some bumps in the road, and it got ugly, and it got ugly quick. One thing I wanted to do is a little segment called Can't Be Serious. I just chose some headlines, and my first reaction to those headlines was like, this can't be serious. I mean, that's... I, I read to this earlier today, and I was like, this can't be serious. Are you kidding me? Is this a joke? And when I saw a headline of Caleb Williams will be a game-time decision whether he's going to the NFL. Now, I'm all for, like, listen, I, I negotiate my contracts. Uh, I understand there is a, a level of, you, when you're negotiating against two people, you're not negotiating against the NFL because of the number one pick, your contract is set. But you're probably trying to get, like, hey, could USC get you $20 million for a season? And maybe he's waiting on that. So I understand throwing it out there, but this can't be serious. Like, bro, the NFL pays you $40 million the moment you go to the league. Plus, your clock starts toward, you know, your second contract. Here's the other thing. Your team stinks. I mean, so your team in the NFL is going to be bad. Your college team is bad. I, I understand it like Matt Leiner in the peak of his dynasty, Tim Tebow in the peak of his dynasty. I'm not saying those players were the prospects Caleb is, but I understand those guys returning when their team is stacked. Your team is, you just got your ass kicked by UCLA. Like, you're going to game time decision. Give me a break. The, the Rodgers 21-day window, what are we doing? What? I, maybe he's defying modern medicine by returning on Achilles. Is he, I've always defended Aaron. I've thought a lot of stuff. The immunization was always so stupid. Like, do you understand? No one in the NFL cares. If the NFL players could have chose whether they got the jab or not and it wasn't mandated to play, 5% of them would have got it. So it's like a lot of the stuff that Aaron became polarizing for, the ayahuasca, that stuff like the media is like, he's doing drugs? He put drugs in the system? Now, I'm not saying that I would do ayahuasca. More intimidated by it than maybe I'm just not enlightened enough. But, like, some of this stuff doesn't bother me as much as it did a lot of other people. The 21-day window, the I'm going to return, is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. The team is done. You're done. Can we stop talking about it? Really? I, I think this story has been, for the first time, I've come around to, this guy might be a little addicted to the headlines, and I've always supported him. I always think he's one of the best players I've ever seen. I'm okay with my great players having a little bit of an ego. 
But this is this is ridiculous. And then the last thing is, Ty, remember Tyreek, he scored that touchdown, he grabbed the phone, and he did the backflip. The camera guy who handed him the camera was in on it. I think Tyreek had given him the camera before, obviously went viral on social media, the, the video of him doing the backflip. That guy was fired by the NFL because ultimately he was like an independent contractor working for the NFL. Come on. What are we doing? I see J.J. Watt posting these videos about the NFL stealing money. They have a lot of parallels now with our government where they just take, take, take. It's like, where's this money? What are you taking this for? Where's it going? Who's it helping? How does this make any sense? And they're just like, a guy will just make a tackle and be like, ah, it's $50,000 fine. For for what? One of the St. Brown brothers got into just a block last week, was fined like $43,000. It's just like, what's happening? Tyreek Hills, this guy was really fired because he handed him a phone. Like, they're, listen, I'm all for trying to corral some of these big hits across the middle, but like the No Fun League, that's. What are we doing? <laughs> Let's be better than that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, 
At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You just slide into my DMs. Instagram, at John Middlecoff. Fire in them. Very, very easy to do. We like interacting with the people here. From Calvin. Love your takes. I already like this guy. I'm a diehard Charger fan. Product of being born in San Diego. Never turned my back on them. You already know and have mentioned before the state of the organization. What do you think the Chargers need to do to change the current narrative of the choking, chargering Chargers? Well, I I think it starts with paying for a real coach. And listen, it's sports. You're going to lose some heartbreaking games, right? Think of guys that have not won a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan, that are viewed as good coaches, right? Jim Harbaugh, Kirby Smart for a long time before he won the national championship. You lose some gut punch games. But if we all view you as a good coach, it's like, yeah, it's, it's gonna, he's going to figure it out. Like, if you're betting on Harbaugh, he might not win it this year. But he's eventually, I would bet on Jim Harbaugh winning a championship whether that's a national championship, whether that's when he comes back to the Super Bowl. Why? He's good. And when you're good and you're always in the mix, eventually things are going to go right. What happened to Andy Reid? He was good for a long time. Couldn't win a Super Bowl. Well, Donovan McNabb, good player. You know, Pro Bowl level guy. Michael Vick had a year for him. Alex Smith, not as good as Donovan, but just solid starter, gets you the playoffs. Then he gets his Tom Brady. Rest is history. He's been to three Super Bowls five years, won a couple of them. Might be back in it again this year. Might be in his fourth Super Bowl in five years. Right? That's what happens. So I, I think it's the coach. <laughs> you know, I, I really think it's that simple. You get a coach that knows what they're doing. I have faith that you won't be the Chargers anymore. Or Charger Ring, as you guys call it. I'm a Lions fan. And it has been an embarrassment of a franchise my entire life. But since Sheila Hamp took over and she made smart moves, fired Patricia and Quinn, and hired Brad Holmes, do you think the Lions are turning into a well-organized franchise that can win a playoff game? Or two, in a year, we will be the pit of mediocrity until we get a better quarterback. I like Goff, but he clearly can't handle pressure, and any playoff team will have a good enough pass rush to disrupt him. Well, if Goff can win you a playoff game, you guys haven't won a playoff game in a long, long time. I think it's several decades, right? Like, I don't think you've won a playoff game since the 80s. You definitely haven't won one in my... Is 91 the last year you won a playoff game? Definitely not in my lifetime that that I can remember. And I could be wrong on that 91 number. I don't know why I'm throwing that out there, but... Here's the key to be a good organization, right? And a successful owner. Hire the right people and let them cook. Robert Kraft owned the Patriots. The Patriots were viewed as not a top 15 brand in the NFL. They had a moment with Parcells in the 90s, but I would say historically, they were a joke too. Hires Belichick, lets him go to work. Obviously, they got a little lucky finding Brady in the sixth round or whatever, but then he just let him cook for 20 years. Clark Hunt hired Andy Reid, has let him cook now for a decade. And... Jeffrey Lurie, smartest thing he ever did, get Chip Kelly out of the building, let Howie run it. When you hire good people, 
in a business that's kind of unique. You can't impact it as an owner. All you can do is cut the checks and support them and give them thumbs up when they want to do something. Now, the character stuff, I always say, I have no problem if you have some non-negotiables, hitting women, you know, any violent offenses, totally get that. That's, I would have no problem. I don't know where I would fall. If they said, John, you're worth $50 billion. The next team that comes for sale, the NFL is going to sell it to you for eight. Like, okay, I'll take it. Where would I fall on the morality of character stuff? You know, I, I probably have a little more Al Davis and Jerry Jones because I like to win. But I'm a big high character guy. I don't know. That'd be, who knows, until I was, in, you know, in the firing line and had to make the decision. But when it comes to, like, should we make this trade? Trade up to the second round or trade down from the second for next year's one or whatever. You should never get involved in that. Because if you are, then you got the wrong people. And I think what they did with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell is they hired two very capable guys. Now, are they going to be like all-time great guys? I don't know. Time will tell. Because they're going to have to make another move at quarterback in the next couple years, you'd think, unless Hendon Hooker turns out to be some star. But I think their key is just let them go. And you know why a lot of owners fail? Like most owners aren't Dan Snyder and Dave Tepper. A lot of owners just can't hire the right guys. I, I really think it's as simple as that. When you hire the right people, like it's a game changer from Jackson. I know you have said there is no chance Rodgers comes back this season, but since he is now practicing, do you think he comes back? They open the window. There's a difference between open the window and fully participating in practice. Just because a window opens doesn't mean you automatically practice. I think we all have to acknowledge, what are we doing? If I'm the Jets, I'm sorry, this season is down the drain. Your team stinks if, if, with your quarterback situation. I mean, really does. You just played a guy, Tim Boyle, who, if you ever have to go like, we're sticking with Tim Boyle, your team's in shambles. No offense, Tim Boyle. I mean, incredible accomplishment to make it to the NFL, but you're, just, you're not a starting quarterback. Just like Zach Wilson, not a starting quarterback. There's nothing you can do. So I, I think bringing him back, one, is insanity. Two, is just moronic. Part of being good at business is balancing short and big picture stuff, right? Everyone listening to this, no matter what you do, whether you sell cars, sell insurance, run a bakery, there's, there's a balance of short-term profits and what will lead to big picture you know, success with your customers, right? And sometimes you got to take less money at the beginning. Sometimes you got to lose money in the grand scheme of things. Like, you kind of just got, the moment he went down, you just got to take it on the chin. To even allow him to practice, I, I think is borderline crazy. What if he re-injures it? I, I remember when I was, uh, was with the Eagles, Jason Peters tore his Achilles. And I think he was at home on the scooter and like fell or something happened and he retore it. Like, how could you even risk another injury? Like, let's just get you fully healthy. <clears throat> Say this about the Cardinals and Kyler Murray situation. They waited. They let him get back. He, he had been 9, 10, whatever, however many months out. And then they eased him in. Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles uh, September 11th. It's November 29th. The fuck are we doing? I'm not even a doctor. I've never even torn a knee or an Achilles. And I know that's insane. 
because there's nothing on the line. Like it, it just doesn't add up. And I don't see how it makes any sense. How much did you hear guys in the NFL doing steroids? I'm sure guys like Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa may be using them. I, I've never heard of it. One thing when you get to the NFL, even I saw this in college, there are certain people that are genetic freaks. There are certain people that are like, we're the same human species here. Like Ryan Matthews, the running back that played for the Chargers and then the Eagles. He was so fucking jacked. The dude grew up homeless. He barely had food to eat. God created that man differently than everyone else. Saw with my own eyes. I was like, this guy, there are levels of genetics like Shaquille O'Neal's. I mean, some of these people at the highest level of sports are built different. Now, obviously, people use PEDs, right? People are using them in baseball. People are using them in baseball. And people are using them in football. But I think you'd be surprised how often some of these guys like, you know, the Trent Williams of the world. I mean, they're just Jason Peters. Some guys just are different. They really are. That's why there's such a small percentage of these people that are at the highest level. Logically, why can't Stroud be considered the MVP? Is there a player who not only puts up huge stats, but also is vital to his team? When we talk valuable, in all quotes, who's more valuable than Stroud and Mahomes? Dak, Purdy, Tua, ETC are playing awesome, but look at the cards they're dealt compared to uh, CJ. With Hurts, the value he holds not only as a player, but for real morale and leadership is immense. But the stats are eh. I do think the stats on Hurts, one thing we overlook, because I get this a lot with Hurts and Purdy, it's like their stats are kind of identical as passers. You know, Purdy has less picks and right around the same touchdowns. Jalen also has 11 rushing touchdowns. He has 400 yards rushing. So if he throws 28 touchdowns, which is not, you know, typical MVP type quarterback, if he gives you 17 on the ground, I mean, we're talking 45 touchdowns accounted for. You'd be like, well, half of them are the tush push. Well, he's part of the tush push. Like that play, a huge part of the reason it exists, it's fucking him. To me, if he has a big game and beats the Niners, like I, I think he's going to trend toward winning it. I, I really, how often does a guy on like a 15 and 2 team that accounts for 40 plus touchdowns not win the MVP? But I hear you. I, I just think it's, it's fair or not that the rookie's not winning it. Love the show. Been listening for a few years. Saw a mock draft where Penix goes to the Vikings in the 20s. Obviously, they will probably end up in the mid teens. Would this be possible or is quarterback inflation? Moving Penix up, and would this be a good pick for the Vikings? I think the hard part about Penix is when you look at all the top quarterbacks, Caleb, very athletic, moves around. I mean, great movement. Drake May, really good athlete. Bo Nix, fantastic athlete. Jaden Daniels, elite athlete. I mean, all these guys, movement is a big part of their game. You watch Penix play, and I've watched him play a lot of games the last couple of years. He's kind of a throwback pocket passer. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's like a bigger Tua. Really, I mean, Tua's not mobile. Tua's a pocket player. That's Penix. Which, let's face it, in 2023 and beyond, like, you're, you want mobility. Part of why CJ looks really good is like, God, CJ's pretty mobile. He's a good playmaker. Penix is a between-the-tackles pass guy. So, I, there's a risk there. I love him as a college player, but I understand the question marks 
Can you have a guy that's not that mobile in this modern game? Offensive linemen have never been worse. There's never been more pass rushers. Kind of a sitting duck. Now, you'd say, well, the greatest players of all time were all non-mobile guys, right? I mean, Montana was a good athlete, but he was a pocket passer. Brady, Manning, pocket guys. Marino, pocket guys. Elway, mobile. Rogers, mobile. I always lean mobile. Have a question about the birds. If the Eagles were to win the next three games against the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks, their one seed would be pretty much clinched. Agreed. Honestly, they win the next two games, the Cowboys and the Niners, it's a wrap. I'd argue they win this week, it's probably over. The one seed, uh, if that happens, do you think they would, for the next three games, try to rest Jalen? I think they would 100% rest Jalen in a meaningless game. Whether that's the last game of the season, whether that's, you know, they rest him like the second to last game of the season and then let them play the following week because they're going to get a bye, 100%. You would, like they're not chasing undefeated, you know, all-time great status as a team now. That one loss actually makes it easier to do stuff like that. So yes, if they clinch the one seed very early, I could definitely see them doing something and, and they should, right? If it's possible to take care of them. Okay, this is Coach K. Not Mike Krzyzewski, but just another Coach K. He is, God, he's got a lot of views on YouTube, he says. Okay, Coach K. Love the show and love the communication with the listeners. I believe if the Bears have the number one pick, they should draft Marvin Harrison. Fields has shown he can excel when they just let him play and not call 15 screens or take the ball out of his hands like they did in Detroit, Denver, and many other games. Fields may have a fumbling problem, but Caleb leads the league or the country in fumbles. He plays backyard football. For me, he's not a can't miss. Plus, I don't think his attitude would translate well to losing. Get to the best player in the draft, roll back with Fields, and worst case scenario, you bring in a rookie uh, who gets Marvin Harrison, DJ Moore, and maybe Mooney, and a better overall team around him. Build the team up the way the Lions did. P.S. Check. Caleb isn't number one in fumbles, but he's up there with nine. Justin Fields is not going to be your quarterback next year. Eberflus is not going to be your coach. It's over. Like, it's just, we can argue it till we're blue in the face. Part of what the Lions did is Jared Goff had proven that you could win with him. He proven that he could be a capable quarterback in the pocket as a passer if you had a good team. Justin Fields, if you just watch him, you're right. He can make some plays when you quote-unquote let it fly. When he's running around. When he's in the pocket, even if there is time, he definitely holds on to the ball too long. And listen, I disagreed. Now, he was proven right. One of the reasons the 49ers, and when I say the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, did not consider him when they, when they traded up to three because he did not think he saw the field and didn't think he process holding on to the ball is a major problem. Now, it turns out, so did Trey, but when you watch Purdy, he gets rid of the ball fast. Part of processing quick is like, can you, like Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, all the top guys, if they have to, can you get rid of the ball quickly? Can you see everything and boom, get rid of it? That is not Fields. Now, is his team kind of suck? Offensive coordinator? For sure. We can argue that till we're blue in the face. I love Justin Fields coming out of college. I thought, Trevor Lawrence should be one. He should be a closer two than the way we were talking. Turns out I was wrong. 
All those guys suck. I wouldn't want any of them. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Now, I would want Justin Fields over that group, but that's not saying much. So I would just take a quarterback, and I would trade Fields for, it's just time. He needs to change the scenery. It's not going to work. He's just not good enough. I don't know what else to say. And I'm not a Justin Fields hater. Big fan of the pod. I had a question maybe you can answer on the episode. Being a bit of a homer here, I admittedly, but why are the Steelers being able to win ugly, a knock on them? On the flip side, Philly's ability to sneak out wins is praised. Not trying to say we're a contender, but I believe we'll make the playoffs and give the team we play some trouble. We moved the ball fluidly on Sunday, and it looked like we have improved side of the ball. 1-4 in the red zone won't cut it. Here's the difference. I hear what you're saying. Because like if you're just making the argument and you hadn't watched them, like, well, they're both winning these tight games. Fuck's the difference? Like, we're 7-4. We're, we're going to rattle off a bunch of wins because our schedule, we're going to be like 12-5. and five. How many teams go 12-5 and five every year? The difference with the Eagles is, one, they score a lot of points. So it's like, I, I have a lot more faith when your quarterback can account for four or five touchdowns on any given game. And you can get within 25 to 35 points with your eyes closed. You can't do that. So it's like, you have to win these ugly games. That was the Browns for a while. It's like, yeah, you can win the game 17 to 16. The Eagles have no problem getting to 25 to 28 to 30 points. So yeah, if I got to win a shootout, how do you win a shootout? It's impossible. So I, I, I think, plus they won playoff. They, they were winning in the Super Bowl. You guys haven't won a playoff game since January of 2017. 2023. Do you think Jay Billis standing on the table yelling about college hoopers needing to get paid has been calculated move? Has it been his way of deflecting and hiding the fact that Duke's clean-cut scholarly image is bullshit and they have paid players under the table for decades? No. I saw Matt Rule today. I think he's clearly getting peppered. Like, how do they improve, right? They went 5-7. and seven, They didn't go to a bowl. And they need, they need a quarterback. And he's like, I just want everyone to know. I just want everyone to know. Because there are going to be some quarterbacks. You're like, why didn't you get that guy? The going rate for a good quarterback, like Cam Ward right now, who reportedly has offers for $1 to $2 million from Ohio State, from Miami, uh, Washington. Cam Ward, he's going to be an NFL player one day. The going rate for a good quarterback, a guy that like we can win with this guy, is like $1.5, $2 million. And my first thought was, oh, that's what basketball players have been going for for the last decade. Well, who's got most of the one and dones? It's not just Kentucky. It's not just Arizona. Duke's got a lot of them. I'm a Coach K guy. But anyone acting like the players. You want some college football players got fucked over the last couple decades? For sure. The top, you know who's never complained? Ever? The elite hoopers. Because they were paid a premium. And I'm all for it. Pay them cash. I had never, never bothered me. But the notion that these people in the media talk about these guys getting screwed, give me a break. These guys, and you know what's crazy about getting paid under the table? Maybe there's tax implications why you just, they keep their mouth shut like the mob. Never talk about it. All these player podcasts, everyone keeps their mouth shut in hoops. Makes sense. Because to get one of the top five or six basketball players changes the landscape of your season. You get a one-and-done guy, leads you to the lead eight, it's huge for your program. In football, it's not worth doing that. These quarter, like A high school quarterback, besides like Arch Manning or Trevor Lawrence, is not worth paying a lot of money to. 
UCLA did it with this Moore kid who was a five-star recruit, stolen from Oregon. Does not look good. It's risky. You, you never know. There's been a million five-star can't-miss guys who can't play. In basketball, it usually translates. If you're a top high school guy, you know, the Anthony Davis, the Zion, uh, I mean, you list the names, they're usually pretty freaking good and they get drafted high. These guys don't come cheap, which I'm all for. But Billis has always been like, oh my God, none of these guys are eating peanut butter and jellies. Meanwhile, they're driving their G-Wagon, <laughs> you know, like, living luxurious. for They don't even have to go to class, which I'd argue class in college is pretty overrated unless you're like an engineer. Lifetime Steeler fan here. I think you're missing something. This is about the 400 yards. After watching how easy it was, all these teams and great quarterbacks, to put up 400 yards passing every game, it makes us uneasy when we could not do it one time over three to four years. I think the 16 points comes from a divisional game in which, listen, I'm not saying it's not a positive, you guys didn't take a step in the positive direction. I've just never seen such a crazy reaction to yards. To yards. It's like, I would totally understand the celebration. Like, God, you know, you just, we won 28 to 10, four touchdowns, pick it through a couple. Warren had a couple on the ground. We're coming. Like, no doubt. It's been damn near two years since you had a take I disagreed with. What about Ryan Day's loss to, he put an X and then Michigan, was impressive. He lost to an assistant coach. God, I love the fire of college football. 20 million people watch this game. Props to college football. You are, I mean, you've been this for a while. The hierarchy in sports goes right now. The NFL is the biggest by far. The number one television show in America. The number two is college football. And then there's a gap of everyone fighting for scraps. College football is a behemoth. He lost to an assistant coach after trying to get the game canceled. Three straight losses to a team up north is unacceptable. You even talked about how Ohio State is pulling from one of the largest salary bases, the largest salary base. Almost beating Georgia in the college football playoffs is the pinnacle of Ryan Day's run as the head coach. Listen, if you fired him, I would not. I'd have no problem with it. I'm not one of those guys that thinks you're a bunch of village idiots for saying that. There is no doubt in my mind. What Harbaugh said is not wrong. He He landed on third base. Usually to get the Ohio State job or to get a job like that, you have to prove yourself as a head coach. He clearly did not. And he inherited a program that was freaking rolling. And he's a good recruiter. But the last couple of years were an embarrassment. I just thought his team was much better. Why I gave him praise is the last two years, Harbaugh bent him over and made him say uncle. And he said uncle over and over and Harbaugh didn't stop. He punked him. This year they did not get punked. You're right. They lost to an assistant coach, which, like I said, if you wanted to run him out of town, I'm not going to be crying for him. I don't think he would get screwed. Now, I don't think, like, Chip Kelly, to me, is stealing from UCLA. I don't think the guy cares. I think his program's in fucking shambles. I think he's going to go to the Big Ten and get worked. Here's what I will say. Like, Ryan Day runs a real program. Like, you guys are clearly one of the better teams in the country. Michigan's just better right now. Harbaugh is better than Ryan Day. There is no, here's the thing. In no world, like in a vacuum, now Ryan Day might be a nicer guy, easier to deal with, whatever. Harbaugh is better than Ryan Day seven days a week. Every fucking day of the week. 365. No one in football thinks that Ryan Day is better than Jim Harbaugh. Because it's a fact Jim Harbaugh is better. Look at the two resumes. 
I mean, Jim Harbaugh, I know he hasn't won a championship. He's got to be like the Colin Montgomery then of football right now because he's like the new Andy Reid or, you know, whatever it is. But, like, Ryan Day's not better than him. He's just not. Ryan Day's not as tough as him. And when you're not a tough guy, it's hard to run a tough program. The reason Lincoln Riley's program's not tough, he's not tough. The reason Dan Lanning's program or Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, because those guys are defensive guys, they're tough guys. That's the way they think. That's the way they're wired. That's their ethos, right? It's like, why do you, I like talking about business? Because I like business. It interests me. I listen to more business podcasts than I do sports podcasts. I I like the stock market. That that gets my brain going. Defensive guys, like some people, we're all wired differently. And that shapes who we are. And as a football coach, like Harbaugh is unique because he's a quarterback. So you'd be like, God, he's put this offensive. No, Harbaugh's wired like a linebacker. Ryan Day's an offensive guy. That's who he is. He's a Chip Kelly mentee. Like, that's his style. But I gave him credit because his team could have won that game. Now, you're right. They're at the level of, like, you don't get style credit. There's no style points here. You're paid a premium to win that fucking game. And when Harbaugh's at his house, and they got, you know, a 37-year-old O-line coach rallying the troops, who, let's face it, is a pretty impressive guy. And maybe as... We, in 10 years, we look back, and Sharon Moore is a better coach than Ryan Day. One day, he gets big program and dominate. So that might age well. I don't think it's just a lock that ages poorly. But you didn't get embarrassed. <laughs> now, that, that's not the bar. But I saw someone, maybe it was Dan Dockich on my uh, Twitter timeline today. He's like, everyone always thinks that like Bo Schembechler or Woody Hayes, like all these guys went undefeated against their rival. Like Nick Saban easily could have lost against Auburn. Nick Saban has lost against Auburn. Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, they, they lost against the foe. The only guy who was undefeated was Urban Meyer. He was the only guy. And let's face it, like some of Urban's teams, it would have been harder against this version of Harbaugh. Pretty sure he got, when he got there, right, who was, uh, was Harbaugh there the whole time? Maybe he was. But he kicked Harbaugh's ass for a while. And it was embarrassing for Harbaugh. I would say this. He can't lose four in a row. He loses four games in a row, especially at home. That would be two home losses. Fire a fence. Now, here's what I will say about Ryan Day. And I'm not some Ryan Day supporter. I'm not some guy banging the table like Ryan Day some superstar. Who would you hire? Like right now. Now, you can get people to come. Like you could steal basically any coach except like Nick Saban. Obviously, Dabo doesn't make that much sense for you because he's a Southern guy, but like, and Kirby. Other than that, like you, obviously Harbaugh wouldn't come, but like, who, who are your options? You'd be like, Vrabel. Vrabel ain't leaving the NFL for fucking NIL and kissing 18-year-old's ass. The, the NFL is all about capitalism. You don't have to fake it and pretend and live in this giant Fugazi. I, I, I pick you and I cut you. College is like, you got to play both sides. So you're not getting Mike Vrabel. Like, who are you getting? Mike Tomlin? No. Like, these are the names you're going to throw out because, like, who, who are your college options? Seriously, who are your college options? Dan Lanning? Kalen Dubor? Some of those type guys? Are they a lock to do better, beat Michigan? I don't know. Now, maybe your guys' standards are just like, we got to get better. I don't know. Have you checked out the season of Hard Knocks yet? I love McDaniel before, but getting to see more of the real him around the team has made me love him even more. I have not watched Hard Knocks. I want to watch in-season Hard Knocks. I want to watch the Barry Sanders documentary. Uh, I'm watching this. I don't know how I got into it. I mean, I didn't. She chose it. But this documentary 
not a documentary. This show on Apple Plus, this girl who's like a scientist, is a cook. Uh, I forget the name. It's one of the trending shows on Apple Plus. I'm, I'm two episodes in. Not bad. Not bad. There's some limitations on what to watch. You know the hard part is when you do this for a living? When I was a single guy, I just watched whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. So it's like all this football, all this sports, and then like, what do you want to watch your free time? I'll just watch in-season hard knocks. She does like Mike McDaniel, calls him the funny guy. It's the name we call him in the house. It'd just be hard at night, at like 9 o'clock, you kind of get in bed to relax. To be like, you want to watch in-season hard knocks? <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, gets a, as you age, your sports consumption, even when you do this for a living, you, you, you get, you, you don't get the uh, full control Wednesday, Tuesday, and Friday night. Sometimes you got to relent. That's words of advice to my, to my youngins. Not even words of advice, just a word of reality. Question. Why would Jalen Hurts be on the top of the MVP conversation and not Dak Prescott? Last year, all we heard about was Prescott throwing picks and now, and how he had regressed and the talks of the Cowboys is beating up sub-500 teams. Last year, Hurts was dominating on a weak schedule and was in the MVP talk, and now again, he's in the MVP talk and has 10 picks and is on track for 15. Can you make it make sense? Well, he has 11, 18, so he has 29 total touchdowns, and his team is 10-1. and one. And they played you, and Dak was awesome, and Dak kind of fucked up. He just did. Took some bad sacks, stepped out of bounds, and that was kind of the difference in the game. We all watched it. And we saw Dak play the 49ers and get curb stomped. Now, Jalen plays bad against the Niners. Dak outplays him again against the Cowboys. We can have a new conversation. But like, Dak, I- I'm sorry. You just don't get that much credit, you know, destroying some of these teams. You just don't. When you lose the games that you have to win to, like, make it a no-brainer. I'm with you, like, Dak is, he's definitely alive for the most valuable player. He goes off Thursday Night Football against Seattle, against with all of us watching, beats the Eagles the following week. I have no problem having the conversation. But you can't lose that game at home and... You know, if Jalen has a couple touchdowns against you and he beats you, like, I'm sorry. The Eagles defense is exactly the 85 Bears. Reggie White and Jerome Brown ain't walking through that door, even though their D-line is good. There's, you know, I mean, their, their linebacking core is a problem right now. Their, their EPA, their estimated, you know, yards per play uh, is not ideal right now. I'm not the biggest analytical breakdown guy on defense, but I just... I saw some stats online that were like, yeah, I mean, you just watch them play. I mean, their defense is not great. Is the Bears-Panthers trade potentially the worst trade in the history of Carolina? You trade up and get a quarterback who's certainly behind Stroud and maybe behind Richardson in terms of what you saw early in the season. You also trade a bona fide number one, two second-round picks, worst of all, the number one overall pick. Hard to recall a trade that set a franchise behind in such a variety of ways. Here's the biggest kick in the balls. It's clearly you would have been just as shitty with most quarterbacks. So you could have just drafted someone at nine, been terrible with quarterback whoever, potentially got the number one pick and just got Caleb, who would have been the number one pick in last year's draft. So yeah, I mean, now these things change. Right, a year ago, hell, 
Um, two months ago, Russell Wilson trade looked like the craziest trade of all time. It's still a massive, massive win for Seattle. And still one that Denver would do over if they could. The Houston Texans trade to the Browns, it's hard to not see them winning it overwhelmingly. This one, we got a ways to go. Bryce is, you know, in a disastrous situation. But it looks pretty shitty. I, I was reading, maybe Albert Breer wrote an article about David Tepper. Like, think about this. I mean, if Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's one of the best players on one of the best teams. He's a fucking superstar. They traded him for a second and a third, right? DJ Moore was part of this package. You had those two guys on your team. <laughs> you know, you did. Now, I, I got trading Christian, but like, listen, you do something at the time, like, yeah, I sold my house, man. I made a lot of money, million dollars. Well, if two years later, that million dollar house is worth $4 million, you might have a regret on that one. You don't think the Panthers would want Christian McCaffrey over, what's his name, from uh, Penn State? You don't think they want DJ Moore back? I said at the time, like, you're not extending these defensive linemen, especially Brian Burns. Why didn't you just give them Brian Burns and keep DJ Moore for your young quarterback? You got the defensive tackle, draft a, some more pass rushers, sign a pass rusher. I think that's one they'd like back. If you could redo that trade, you would keep DJ Moore, who's under contract, and trade Brian Burns. And maybe you wouldn't have to trade as much. You're like, I'm trading you a premium pass rusher who you're going to pay. It actually would have been a win-win for everybody. Obviously, DJ Moore's a really good player in the Bears, but maybe they wouldn't have had to do the sweat deal. They could, I don't know. It just, I think it was all off. But yeah, I think the Carolina Panthers trade is easily, right as we sit here right now, looks like one of the worst deals of all time. Now, the world's fluid, just like trades. Things age better. Things age poorly. We'll have to see. I would probably bet, I don't know if this will age as bad as it looks right now. I have a hard time ever seeing, like, oh, win-win. You know, like when the Vikings traded Diggs to the Buffalo Bills and then they drafted Justin Jefferson? It's like, win-win. <laughs> like One of the rare is like, oh, love this trade. Bills are happy. They got a sweet player. Vikings are happy. They got a superstar. Just like every, It just worked out. Does not feel like that has any chance of happening with this. So worst trade in Carolina Panthers history. I don't have the, uh, the wiki up of all their trades. Feels like it'd be up there, though. Definitely. Appreciate everyone listening. Adios. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.